Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus and the ordinary, everyday rhythms of life. And one of the most important aspects of your life, even though you don't realize it, it is the iceberg. It's the 90% of the iceberg that's underwater that you don't realize is that important. And that is your theology. We want to help you come to understand God, understand how God is working in the world, understand how God has made you, helps you understand your struggles with sin. That's what we're talking about right now. And so to do that, We decided not just to do topical and whatever comes to mind, but to work systematically through the Westminster Confession of Faith. And it's been really fruitful for us. And there's a temptation to be like, ah, it really doesn't interest me. I'm just going to skip this podcast. But we hope you're not doing that because we're trying to prepare you for um, the issues that are coming down the pipe that you you need to be educated on before they get here. And so... To that end, we're talking about uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 9 of Free Will. I've got uh, three of my pastoral residency residents with me today. I've got Kevin Noer. Hey, guys. Alex Tate. What's going on, guys? Um, no, I don't. I've only got two of them, and I've got my deacon of worship, Joel Bickford. Hello. And I also got my brother from another mother, Morgan, with me today, brother from IMC, but he doesn't have a mic because we don't just quite trust him yet, To but if... If he does have something to say, he's going to just yell real loud, and uh, and you guys will hear him. He could take over the podcast. You never know. Might happen. <clears throat> so, chapter nine of free will, we're talking about article four and five. Pretty short. Yeah, it should be, we'll see. should be a shorter podcast. Sure. Of free will. If you guys asked the average man on the street if they had free will... What do you think they would say? Of course. I do whatever I want. And I would say, and that is a perfect example of you being having a will that's in bondage to your own yeah. Yeah. desire. <laughs> you guys think you would get would you guys agree with the same thing? Oh, yeah. That Most was, people that think was what was going through my mind, just thinking about America in particular, but Western society, probably the majority of people would say, Yeah. I have a free will. I'm free. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, there's a few in like the scientific community that I think Sam Harris is one of them, that atheistic guy that doesn't doesn't believe in free will, thinks everything is biologically determined, all of his choices, all because you basically you make decisions based on your desires, what you want. And so if you only do what you you want, then actually your will is determined by what you want, your desires. Well, the Bible says, yeah, exactly. And your desires are sinful, yeah. and that's why you can do nothing but sin. Mm-hmm. Before God regenerates you, before God gives you a new will. And so that's kind of what we saw in the first three articles. God created man with a free will. They They had the ability to do good or the ability to choose to do evil. And um, they chose to do evil. And then everyone since then, we have the only the ability we're born with only the ability to do evil only the ability to choose bad now does that mean they you know always do the most wicked thing no you can be a really good person just not a holy person mm-hmm. um you can't choose the ultimate good which is god himself you know and most of the time you can't choose to cross your own will you know you're driven by your selfishness okay let's go on he gets into this conversion <clears throat> 
Article four. When God converts a sinner and translates him into the state of grace, he freeth him from his natural bondage under sin. And by his grace alone enables him to him enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. Yet so, as that by, as that by reason of his remaining corruption, he doth not perfectly nor only will that which is good, but doth also will that which is evil. Any immediate thoughts? Immediate thoughts, just running through that first, well, I guess it's a run-on sentence, but the first couple chunks is, so it's God that does this converting, and then he brings him into, from the state he was in, into a state of grace, mm. and then he frees, frees them from, he's freeing us from this bondage. And so, what I was thinking as you're, the picture came that came to mind is like, okay, so sin had me in chains and shackles. I am, I can't get out of those things. God frees me from those chains, and yet I still have a now. Now I can choose. I can, I can roam wherever I want. I can run in God's free country, and yet somehow I still have this proclivity to run back to my slavery mm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Though I'm free, I'm still I'm free. <clears throat> And he says, by, by reason of his remaining corruption. <clears throat> so sin isn't just slavery, it's also corruption. Mm-hmm. Which means it's not just external bondage, like there's a chain around my ankle. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's actually also internal. internal yeah. My will. Like I, I don't just, I'm not just chained doing the enemy's work, right? Mm-hmm. I'm also wanting yeah. to do the enemy's work. I'm seeing something that's bad for me and I'm saying that's good for me. And I'll be honest, I just, I just had a, a man, a professing believer, um, decide that he was going to leave his family and kids mm. and um, his mind was made up, his will was set. You can't convince me I'm doing this. <clears throat> and I said, why do you want to... What's going on? You know, I just don't think I was made to be married. My dad, my dad's an alcoholic, sits, sits alone in, in, in his house every night, drinks himself to sleep. And that's just where I'm going. That's just what I'm going to do. I said, and you want that? Mm. Yeah, it sounds pretty good right now. Mm. Like, what? I'm like, either you are completely deceived by your sin or you're not a Christian at all. Because you're trying to convince me that that turd on the street corner looks tasty to eat. Yeah. Wow. And I'm like, you just sound like a crazy person to me. Because my bond, my will has been freed to choose good, to see evil as evil and to choose good, right? Yeah. And so I can see it clearly in his, in his situation. I can see it clearly. My own situation, not so much, you know. But in his situation, I'm looking at him going, you're trying to convince me that you actually want to eat that turd. Mm. Like I, I'm like, uh, how, how? Mm. So, so biblically, there's only two responses. Either one, he's hardened by the deceitfulness of his sin. He's blind to his own sin. And the Lord's given him over to Satan for a while to buffet his flesh. Or two, this guy was never converted. Mm. This guy was never converted. And that, 
right? It's hard. It's but it's it's reality. So do you think the like uh, the person that is choosing that or any sin that they're not that they're not saved or depends. So depends on so, so okay no th- that's not a, that's not what I'm saying at all. Okay, but I do say it depends. So first off, person comes to faith, right? This guy is sinning in ways he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know he's sinning. You know what I mean? Like what he thought was good before, he doesn't, the Bible's a big book. (laughs) It's got a lot of, uh, it it shows us the good life. It shows us the way that we should live. We can, you know, in this most simple formula, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? Well, what does it mean to love God? Okay, it means to choose his way in everything. Right? It means to, to <clears throat> renew our mind. It means to cast down any thought that's against his kingdom. It means to choose the good. Right? What does it mean to love our neighbor? It means to sacrifice, lots of different things. So when a person comes to faith, they're going to be sinning in ways that they don't even know is sin. So th- that means like months into the Christian life, years into the Christian life, you're probably sinning and you don't even know it. You just had no idea that that was a sin. You know, until it comes to your, until you read that Bible verse and you're like, what? Or you hear that sermon and you're like, what? Oh, crap. But then what do you do in that moment? Christians respond to their king. They say, I trust you more than I trust myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to repent of that sin. I'm going to fight against that sin. I'm going to pursue godliness. I'm going to pursue holiness. Right? That's what Christians do. When a Christian stands up and says, F it, I'm going to sin. That's when we go, ooh, that's not, a Christian doesn't say that. Right. Right? Now, a Christian could say that in the moment and then repent, and you know what I mean, but does not consistently, they don't set their will against the will of God. Mm -hmm. Um, For the one that continues in sin, there, there remains no other sacrifice for him. Jesus was already sacrificed for sin. He can't be sacrificed again. And so if you continue in, you, if you continue in sin, <clears throat> you're deceived. God is not mocked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so either that guy is not converted or he's in a season of rebellion and the Lord is going to hand him over and, and crush him. I mean, that's what usually the Lord does. Or the Lord hands somebody over, like in Romans 1, and uh, they're going to get what's coming to them, basically, you know? <clears throat> So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a Christian, but a Christian does not um, unrepentantly continue in, in sin. I say that just because, there, I mean, I've been around and seen, like, multiple people kind of go over and, you know, live in that sin. And, of course, God, you know, works in their heart. And, you know, there's reconciliation and there's yep. all this that happens. And, you know, praise God for those those Absolutely. Yeah. And that's evidence that... <clears throat> they were um, they were indeed a Christian and maybe the enemy like like what Jesus says to Peter the enemy has desired to sift you like wheat yeah mm-hmm. and he's like and basically he says and he's gonna win for a minute but then I, but then once you once you've repented come back to me yeah. you know what I mean like he's like you're gonna betray me but then don't worry I've prayed for you you're gonna come back and then take care of my sheep. And Peter's like, 
I don't know what you're talking about. That ain't <laughs> yeah, never yeah. going to happen to me, bro. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to be faithful. Right. Jesus is like, well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And when you hear that rooster crow, you're going to deny me three times. <laughs> deny him. No, I ain't. And then yeah. all of a sudden, he denies him three times. Here's that rooster. He's like, oh, no. Yeah. And then yeah. the Lord restored him. And right? that's good to hear because it's not like you can lose your faith. Once you are his, you are his. That's right. That's right. So when God converts a sinner and translates him, I love that word. Yeah, that's good. Translates him into the state of grace. So we've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his son. God frees him from his natural bondage under sin. And by grace alone, enables him freely to will. Okay, some people reject the Calvinistic or Reformed doctrine of that's mechanic, that's like mechanistic. God saves us without us doing anything. Then we're just robots. And we're predetermined and if we're predestined and all this kind of stuff, then we're robots. That is not what the doctrine of predestination or the doctrine of election or effectual calling or Reformed theology or Calvinism, that is not what Calvinism teaches. It says... <clears throat> God frees him, frees him from his natural bondage under sin, and by his grace alone enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. So there's a sense where our wills get freed by God's work, by God's act in our life. Can you break that down? I mean, it sounds good, but what's that mean? What's that look like? The thing that keeps coming to mind for me is kind of the... Jamie Smith language of loves. So you got, we got wills, we have loves. So I'm thinking the pre-converted person is bound to love sin. They're bound to love the things that are opposed to God. Mm. And then God frees us to love the things of God while we still have remaining corruption. And so repentance looks like, I recognize that I used to love this thing, but now I'm free to see I actually, I'm drawn towards the things of God to love that. Yes. Help change my heart, change my loves, change my direction where I'm headed. Let me use a really <clears throat> crude analogy because I've already used one. <laughs> when we're sinners, before we were in Christ, we love sin. Yeah. <clears throat> we look at, maybe it's a, maybe it's a sugar-coated, uh, chocolate-covered turd. And we're like, this is delicious. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is what I want. And so our wills are, we love it. Our wills are bent towards it. And then God saves us. He frees our will. And all of a sudden we're like, Ugh, what? And we look over here and we see a beautiful Lago Marcino's chocolate, right? And we're like, well, I'd rather have that. Yeah. Now we're like, what the heck have I been eating? I want that. Or the whitey shake, right? And guess what? God, in this terrible analogy, God is the Lago, Marcini's, Lago Marcino's chocolate or the whitey shake. He's the real good. We've been feasting on this garbage and we thought it was what we really wanted because it was what we wanted when we we're sinners. But then we realized, oh my goodness, God is so much better than that. Yeah. How could I even want that? That's so. And now when we look at it, we, we're, we can be disgusted by it. Yeah. And that's how we look back on our life before Christ. We can say things like, "How? Why? 
I can't believe I did some of those things. How did I do those things? I was so dumb. I can't believe I chose that way. I can't believe I did that. You know, because God freed us now by changing what we loved. He freed us to choose what is good, what is ultimately good. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. By his grace alone enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. So not only do we now desire God and desire holiness and desire to do good things, like, like the Christian desires to give their money away. Mm-hmm. Now, there might, if you're spiritually immature, you might be like, you know, that's going to hurt you, but that's just your immaturity. You know, that's your immaturity. You're going to grow to see, well, I want it. First off, I want to invest in eternity. I want to invest in the kingdom of God. I want to see more people come to faith. And that's not going to happen unless I fund the mission of God. So now I'm like actually finding joyful to give my money away. You know what I mean? Which um, used to seem like folly. Why would I give my money yeah. away? You There's know? so much to get. There's so yeah, much to purchase. You know, Scriptural language is like, that seems ridiculous. But it's when your will has changed, it's not. Yeah. Jesus says when you find the pearl of great price, yeah. guess what you're supposed to do? Sell everything else and buy that pearl, man. And we're supposed to sell out for the kingdom of God. And so that's what we that's what we should do. We should be selling out for the kingdom of God right now. We're working for the kingdom of God that's gonna, we're gonna um, and that's you know, we're told we're gonna get to lay our crowns down at the feet of Jesus. What do you think those crowns are? Let me just speculate here. What do you guys think those crowns are? (laughs) Man, when I hear that, I think it's um, everything that I think that I've earned mm. in my life. Or maybe, I, you know, that I've, I've worked for and I will see one day, oh, no, that was that was something that was given to me. Maybe. Yeah, let me tweak that. Keep okay. going, keep okay. going. Close, I, I would think, my interpretation. Keep going. Anybody else? Any other ideas? I would say the same thing. I mean, just a lot of the crowns of, uh, you know, I guess the things that you have earned, maybe the pride and everything that, you know, comes with those things that you feel like I'm I'm finally here. I accomplished mm. these things mm-hmm. where, like, the world gives you that crown, but to actually follow Christ, you have to lay them down. So there is a sense where the things that we've built our life upon will lay down, but I think that's more like, like an idol bowing before the Lord. I mm. think the crowns that we lay down... <clears throat> are all of the good deeds that we've done, all of the work we've done for God's kingdom. All of like, whether it's <clears throat> being a Christian barber or being a Christian uh, nail salon owner or being a Christian businessman and all of the ways that you've sacrificed for the kingdom, you've given financially, you've built the church, you've, you've given a cup of cold water to a disciple, you've made meals, all of the good work that you've done to build God's kingdom, all of those works are being recorded and they're Putting, we used to say they're putting jewels in your crown, man. But one of the greatest gifts is going to, you know, I can picture like a guy like Charles Spurgeon barely being able to walk in the new heavens and new earth because his crown is so freaking big. He, you know, he takes that crown off and he, all the work that he did for God's kingdom, he takes that off and he puts it at Jesus' feet. And it's all, it's all for Jesus. You know what I mean? It's all for Jesus. And then we get to reign with him in the new heavens and new earth. So I, I think it's the, the kingdom work that we've done on this earth, we get to see its fulfillment. We get to see it move on into eternity. Where it's now, it's no longer dependent upon us. or any, It's not really dependent, but he uses us right now. But it's, it's, met its, uh, it's at its consummation. Yeah, it just seems, sounds like rest. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, you yeah, sacrifice like, so much and you give yeah. up, I mean, even to, you know, give that cup of water or to build the ministry or to, you know, sacrifice everything to follow Christ. You know, it's just like, oh, you know, this this is good. Yeah, and that's that Jesus says, take up my cross, take up your cross and follow me. And he says, take up your cross daily yeah. and follow me. Mm-hmm. So there is there is that that you're that you're carrying and you get to lay it down at his feet. And so it also, you know, we should we should also be productive for the kingdom of God. We should be getting after it for the kingdom of God, you know? All right, next paragraph or section he says, yet so as that by reason of his remaining corruption, he doth not perfectly, nor only, will that which is good, but doth also will that which is evil. Okay, so here all it's saying is, just because God <clears throat> frees us from our slavery, we still have an inward corruption, and so we're going to fail forward. We're going to Choose what is good, and then sometimes choose what is bad. What do you mean by failing forward? <clears throat> I mean, even our failures, God uses for our ultimate good. And so, the Christian life is walking, plowing, running, tripping forward. Yeah. Okay? So, it might be... <clears throat> two steps forward, one step back. Mm. Three steps forward, two steps back. Right? It, but we're moving, we're progressing in our sanctification. We might not even realize it's like that. Mm. We might feel like it's one step forward, six steps back. <laughs> one step forward, six steps back. And even that could be failing forward because if that's revealing our need for Christ <clears throat> and we're leaning more onto the sufficiency of Christ leaning more into Jesus' justification, we're learning that we are greater sinners than we ever thought, but we're more loved than we could ever imagine. Even that, we're, we're moving forward. Yeah. <clears throat> okay? Mm. So, I did not believe this. Um, I thought, in the beginning, when I first got saved, I thought I could become perfect. I legitimately thought there would be a day where I would not sin anymore. And it's because I was ignorant. It's because I didn't, I thought sin were the really big things. <laughs> I didn't realize that like my attitude was sinful and my heart was sinful and my desires were sinful. And I didn't realize all this other stuff. So, and uh, Methodists often believe in the perfection of the saints that you can be perfected now. Uh, it's not true. Well, and, uh, and it gets actually, <clears throat> that gets to our last one, Article 5. The will of man is made perfectly and immutably, that means without defect, free to good alone, in the state of glory alone. Mm. Got any scripture for that? Yeah. Um. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measures of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hebrews 12, 23 says, And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Mm. And then 1 John 3, 2, 
Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. Preach. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. That's it. So, we will never be perfect, holy. Our will will never only choose what is good until Jesus glorifies us, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is basically the last, the last step in the chain of salvation. Um, You've talked about this before in a sermon, but you've said the goal of the Christian life is not to not sin. I feel like this, maybe it's a little bit apparent now that we, we see the end. We're going to be perfected. Mm-hmm. So that means we're not now. But can you speak to that a little bit, that idea of? Well, <clears throat> the goal of the Christian life is to live for the glory of God alone, to, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Okay. <clears throat> With that, it means fighting a fight of faith, mm-hmm. expanding the gospel, expanding the kingdom, it means taking the light of Jesus Christ into dark places. And, the, and with that, there's a militant attitude. There's a militant, there's like, we're here. <laughs> um, I, I had this stupid quote, like, you know, we're not, like Conor McGregor, <laughs> we're not here to take part, I'm here to take over. <laughs> you know, like there's this attitude of the Christian that we are here to extend the kingdom of God. Yeah. Okay. And that means I need to be I need to be out in the world living my life with my light to shine before men. Okay? So they can see the good they can see my good works and give glory to God in heaven. And so if it's more dangerous for me to be out there amongst sinners in a crazy culture I'm just, let me just be real. I'm going to say things, I'm, I'm, because I'm trying to make disciples and I'm trying to make an impact and I'm trying, I'm going to say things I shouldn't say sometimes and I'm going to sin. <clears throat> maybe I get, maybe I'm around a sinner and I get tempted to sin myself. Maybe I, whatever. <clears throat> that is the Christian life. I'm trying to extend the kingdom and I'm going to sin almost by proxy. I'm just going to, I'm just, because I'm talking more, you know, the, yeah. the tongue is a, is a restless evil, yeah. right? And so, as James says, and <clears throat> the more I talk, the more I sin. So there's a, there's a sense where we could think, okay, if the goal is to not sin, then I'm never leaving my house. Right. Mm. Because I, theoretically, I think I would sin a lot less if I was in a room by myself my whole life. You're yeah. isolated, you're quarantined. <laughs> yeah. Theoretically, it's a good defensive strategy, but it's not a good offensive strategy for the kingdom. Yeah. It's not an offensive strategy at all. At yeah. All, yeah. And so I think too many Christians live afraid to be in, contaminated, afraid that the darkness is over going to overcome the light, afraid that he that is in them is actually weaker than he that is in the world. And so they isolate themselves into a, a holy huddle. <clears throat> Maybe it's just a, your church community and you circle the wagons you know, circling the wagons was meant to, you know, meant to keep the in, the Native Americans out, right? Like, and it was just like protect those inside and keep, save your life. Well, there is a season for that. There's a season for that. If you're under attack, yeah, that's what you should do. 
But our calling isn't just to circle the wagon and preserve life. Our calling is actually uh, Christianize the savages, yeah. like go make disciples of the Indians. That's mm. our that's our ultimate calling. And so, I think one of the reasons we're reaping the the whirlwind right now. So the scripture says, "So to the wind you reap the whirlwind." We're reaping the whirlwind in our culture right now, is because our country was founded on, I'm going to just say founded on Christian principles. We were never a Christian country. We weren't meant to be. Uh, But we were founded on Christian principles. And when so many people in our country embraced Christian values, Christian ethics, Christian morals, basically a Christian worldview, we could kind of, we kind of circled the wagons and just enjoyed prosperity for a long time. And secularism has gained steam and is eroding our Christian values and our Christian worldviews. And we're then the church is just enjoying being fat and happy. Yeah. They're enjoying mega churches. They're enjoying good preaching. They're enjoying nice comfy pews or comfy chairs and cool, you know, youth groups. And they're enjoying just being materialistic, individualistic Americans and they've stopped sending disciples. They stopped sending missionaries. They've stopped making mission, make, making disciples in their own city, and so they've lost, um, they've lost that missional fervor. They've lost that zeal. They've lost that militancy. And now we look around, and surprise, surprise, our country is no longer share, no longer shares those Christian values, mm-hmm. those things that we all took as presuppositions. We all took as like, oh yeah, everybody thinks that you know a baby should live and a yeah. mother. Everybody thinks that a baby is a human being. Well, no, they actually don't. And there's lots of people that, I mean, it's just the simplest thing. When, when, a, when a woman, she says to me like, my body, my choice. I'm like, amen. Yes, it is your body, your choice. I just don't want you to kill the other body yeah. that's in your body. Yeah. Let's, let's save that body. Can yeah. we save that body? I'm talking about that body. She didn't get a choice. That little baby body didn't get a choice. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing that that I I'm I, I don't I think the church has almost petrified in their their ability to be missional, their ability to be I, I when I say militaristic, I I don't mean like going back to like I don't mean like what what the Catholics did. Right. That's not what I'm talking about with um, crusades. crusades, with the crusades. Thank you, brother. Um, that was that was just the spirit of the age. That was not Christianity at all. That was just right. wanting, you know, to take power, wanting to get more more land and, and convert. You can't convert anyone by the edge of the sword. Um, but there were some parts of it. that was just responding to militant Islam. You know, they're trying to take our, trying to kill us. We're going to kill them. That, yeah. that, that part, I'd say that part's fine, but it is. That part is authorized by scripture. Mm. Um, but you can't Christianize anyone through the sword. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm just thinking when you talk about this military idea, I think of what we also talk about is pushing back darkness. Mm-hmm. And yes, you need to push back darkness inside your own soul. And like we said, keep your neck on the, on the, or keep your foot on the neck of the old man, fight sin, fight that battle. But also there's an, an external battle that God calls us to do to make disciples and of all the nations and push back darkness. And th- there's an objective out there. And you can't just do that 
if your sole focus is I just want to be someone who doesn't sin. That's it. You yeah. can't, man. No. I was I don't know if I shared this on a podcast yet, but I was reading um there's a sense where like Christianity has become a part of being American. We're more American though than we are Christians. Mm-hmm. And we try to do American things like go to the Middle East and promote peace and, and try to bring democracy to the Middle East. And we will all we would all go, yeah, that's a I think that's a maybe that's an I think it's an honorable ideal. Like, you know, the problem is, and this is a this is a perfect example of like what we were talking about with the with the will. Guess what? Most of the people in the Middle East don't want democracy. Yeah. Why don't they want democracy? Because democracy is a Christian idea. It's a Christian value that the Lord frees our will now that you can't force religion on anybody. And, you know, we have to choose the Lord in that sense, right? Like you can't, like I said, you can't convert somebody by the edge of the sword. And so Christianity, widespread adoption of Christianity is actually a prerequisite to democracy. Yeah. It's a, pre, it's a prerequisite um, to the separation of church and state. It's a prerequisite to the freedom of speech. It's the prerequisite to the freedom of religion. The reason none of those things take place in it is Islamic countries is because Islam doesn't teach it. It's a theocracy that says obey or die. Yeah. It's completely antithetical to Christianity. So you can't get these offshoots of Christianity like d- democracy in Islamic countries. It's just not, it's never going to happen. They're totally fine with Sharia law. They're totally fine with men beating their wives. They're totally fine with men having multiple wives. They're totally fine with old men taking prepubescent girls as wives. They're totally fine with um, cutting off and mutilating female genitalia to prevent them from ever having orgasm. They're totally fine with that. It's part of Islam. And so you're not going to have the values that we have in our country. You're not going to be able to promote those values unless first they become Christians. Yeah. That means we have to send missionaries. We have to send missionaries. Missionaries go first. And that's not going to happen if we're just sitting on our hands hoping not to sin. Yeah. Yeah, it's like leaning into this truth of God has given you, he's freed you from bondage of sin. You're still going to have corruption. Now, live out of the motivation of, but he's also freed you mm. to will what is good. You didn't have that before. That that's so, that's so motivating because he's given you a power. He's handed you a sword in a sense that you didn't have before to go fight a battle that you... Yep. Could have never won. Yep. And it's not dependent upon your yeah. perfect morality. Yeah. It's dependent upon Christ in you. And our job is to point to Christ, not to point to ourselves. So when we fail, we own it, we repent, we confess our sins, and we point people to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know? It's uh I used to think that I had to be really awesome yeah. in order to win anyone to Christ and build a big church. Mm. And I just came to realize, nope, the Lord uses morons. The Lord uses broken men. The Lord uses sinners. And my job isn't to be awesome. My job is to point others to an awesome Jesus. Yeah. That's it. Any other thoughts before we close this out? I think so. John Piper has an idea of the wartime mentality in that we're a submersive kind of guerrilla force. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Behind and enemy lines and on the front line. 
um, but that we know the outcome is won. So we would be cowards not to fight a war that we know we're going to win. Mm-hmm. But not everyone's built to be a warrior. Some people have to support the warriors going to war, too. So, so um, he, he, I don't know if you guys could hear that or not. <clears throat> so Morgan said, John Piper talks about having a subversive uh, guerrilla warfare mentality um, that, that um, but then there's some folks that maybe they're not they're not well I would say we're all in the battle but like if you think of like World War II when Germany started bombing um, London like we were pathetically sitting on our hands here in America hoping, oh, he's not that bad. There's no way. He's not going to do this again. World War I just, we just whooped them in World War I. They're not going to do it again. Come on. Mm-hmm. This can't be that bad. And then they start bombing London. And we're, oh, crap. Right? And then they bomb Pearl Harbor. And then we're like, oh, now we got to fight them on two fronts. Now we're really in trouble. In London, everyone was a part, everyone that was a part of that subversive guerrilla warfare and so especially when the allies got there and everything so that means like every you know women are they're they're sneaking messages to the allies and they're they're becoming nurses and they're doing they're doing all this thing you're all a part of the resistance mm-hmm. right so being a, a guerrilla warfare and and, and being it doesn't mean everybody's a sniper or everybody's on the front line necessarily carrying a you know an m4 or something but everyone is a part of the resistance. Mm-hmm. They're playing their role as a part of the resistance. And that's, that's the key. That, that we, are, we see what's going on in our culture. <clears throat> we know who we are. We know that the ultimate battle is won in Jesus. And yet, one, resistance is required. We have to resist the enemy. We have to resist the spirit of the age. And two... We, we need to be on the attack when we can. We need to take, take territory for the kingdom when we can, <clears throat> right? Uh, and I think right now, like, right now we're in a lull. I kind of mentioned last podcast, <clears throat> we're in between waves. Um, 2020 sucked, and, and we, we had a lot of chaos, and 2020 has not started swimmingly, right? With all the, we've got had quite a bit of stuff going on. <clears throat> but for the church right now, at least in America, most, no, at least in Iowa in America, mm-hmm. we can gather it again. Mask mandates are getting lifted. <clears throat> um, social distancing, minimum requirements, all that kind of stuff, or maximum requirements, all that's getting lifted. So there's a sense where we're in a lull. But we're not in peacetime. Mm. We know the next wave is coming. The next shot at taking away religious liberty is coming. The next wave of liberalism is coming. And we have to prepare ourselves now to resist it. Right? So in a military example, that means... Learning your weapon. That means learning your tactics. That means preparing what you're wearing and preparing for the worst case scenario and learning how to become 
whatever it is you are, if it's a nurse or if it's a sniper or whatever it is, <clears throat> learning how to resist when the enemy shows up at your, at your door, that you don't just show up <laughs> in your night clothes, right? For us, it means being learning theologically what we didn't, what we lacked mm. in 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It means getting our thoughts together, together, getting our thinking aligned. Oh, okay. I'm going to prepare myself for what's coming. This is what that means. You know, reading a few books. <clears throat> it might even mean, um, one thing it means for me that I'm praying, I don't know if we can make it happen in the next two years, but I feel like the Lord's calling us to buy a building, to find a building, to figure out a permanent location where we are not being dictated to from anyone else how we can use our building or when we can use our building. But we have um, the right to use our building however we see fit in the future. Mm. It's one small um, avenue that I feel like the Lord's saying, all right, you got a little bit of time. You better start preparing right now for that. But there's a lot of different ways, you know? We should be preparing. Many of those parents, many parents who like, you saw what happened with the public school system. Now's the time. Prepare. Figure it out. Go to a one one uh, single income home. Become a homeschool parent. Find you know. Put your kids in Morningstar. Figure out something that, that the next wave is coming, and so yeah. you got to figure out something. You know, go to distance learning. Do something like that. Figure out um, to prepare for what's coming down the pipe. <clears throat> yeah. Anything else? All right. All right, guys, we hope this has been helpful to you. We love you. God bless you. Email me, Justin Dean, sacredcitychurch.com. Any questions you have, we'll try to answer them here on the podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.